Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to News You Can Use, a PA Stands Up podcast about Pennsylvania people, power, and politics. I am your temporary host for September, Dr. Ashley Strange. I use they, he pronouns, and I am the director of narrative and communications here at PA Stands Up. We like to take time on the podcast to talk about what we do here at PA Stands Up and what you can do about what's happening in the world. And today we have a very special guest, one Nick Martin, to talk to us about how PASU plans to both listen and look ahead. But first, as always, we'll begin with a look at some of the recent news. Um, uh, Today is February February, good Lord. Uh, Today's September 12th, uh, which uh, I was 13 uh, when it happened, but it is known a a lot of places as the day after. Um, Nick, do you remember uh, what, what happened? uh, Or do you remember where you were or were you, were you conscious at any time, September 11th, 2001? Yeah, I do remember. I was uh, I was in middle school at Mardikville Middle School uh, in Lancaster. I was in fat class, um, and uh, that's when we all yeah we all got sent home from school, and I remember that vividly. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I uh, I was homeschooled in Alaska, so we were getting. Uh, everything. Alaska's four hours behind the East Coast. So, so uh, it was, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning and everyone's uh, finally, you know, the phones are ringing off the hook and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I remember us going to my little sister's room because she was the one who got a TV in her room. Still, still bitter about that. But um, I remember us going in there and just like sitting in front of the television while just the phone just kept ringing and uh uh, it, it was, it was a wild, it was a wild, wild time. Um, I, I personally know people whose, uh, uh, whose parents were working in the tower. Some of them, uh, just one of them didn't end up going to work that day. And, uh, one of them did and, uh, and, uh, he didn't make it. And so whenever Mm -hmm. I go to New York, I like to, uh, just kind of, you know, find his name and, and check it out. But I, I do remember, uh, suddenly this idea of like nationalism and patriotism just like mm-hmm. sweeping everywhere. Um, and that was in Fairbanks, Alaska, just, you know, flags absolutely everywhere. Suddenly everyone's signing up to join the military and stuff like that. And uh, we also got, uh, so there's a difference between September 11th, Patriot Day, and like the third Tuesday in April, which is Patriot's Day. Um, neither of those days is about the team that played against the Eagles the other night. So we're, we're good on that front. Um, but yeah, the, the Patriot Act really, um, ramped up, uh, law enforcement, uh, with a bunch of new tools that they said would like detect and prevent terrorism. And in my opinion, this is just like, it's, it's one of the, the, the biggest examples of, um, it's it's one of the biggest examples in my mind of uh, uh you know closing trying to close the door after the cows have run out and being really reactionary. Um, how how was it? Uh, how was it here in? Because uh, you were in Lancaster at the time, right? I was. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, one of the things I remember from that time is um, there's a there's a couple gas stations. Um, that in the little town that I grew up right outside of. And they're both uh, run by uh, 
family of South Asian descent. And I remember um, they changed their name, the name of the gas station to the God Bless America gas station. Um, and I didn't, at the time, I was like, why, why are these gas stations being so patriotic? Um, and then looking back, I see it now as uh, an attempt to signal um, against possible racist backlash, um, or like need to feel um, nationalistic because of the the, the um, backlash that was happening, racist backlash that was happening at that time. Um, but I, yeah, vividly, I have these memories of kids on like a kid on the school bus crying because um, her dad was in the National Guard and she was scared he was going to get sent um, sent to Iraq. Um, and yeah, those years were very, very politicizing for me and uh, are a big part of my story of how I became an organizer and um, why, I'm, why I'm still doing this work today. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, even as as youngsters, like it's, uh, they say now that there's there's a big catastrophic um national or international event like in each like child's lifetime like during the time that they're children and Hmm. so i'm thinking about like all of the big things that have just happened like in the last year (laughs) yeah and you know we've had a, a global pandemic we had the um the smoke from the wildfires uh this is still uh the hottest year on record um good job earth breaking records every single day um have i left my house today no i am comfortable inside thank you same uh, <laughs> but like it's uh there's there's just something that's it it's almost like you know oh well there will be a trauma for the next generation don't worry it'll be something ridiculous and we'll never ever see it coming um but you know, we should all be okay. And no, we're, we're not going to be okay. There's, there are uh, proactive ways to, uh, to, to kind of be able to take care of ourselves. I'm not saying that in the sense of like, oh, the Patriot Act is good because now we're being proactive. No, that was incredibly reactive, (laughs) but we can see that like, even, uh, even all the stuff that we've been fighting for, for ages, like, there, there are ways to, to actually uh, make that move. Um, and I was looking up uh, the uh, Martin Luther King's, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech uh, because last week was the, or two weeks ago, it was the, uh, the 60th anniversary. Um, and it's called the I Have a Dream speech. He doesn't even get to those four words until like way down into the speech. Um, and I did say Martin Luther King Jr. It's like, I don't know if my Martin Luther King Sr. had, had said anything, but I, I'm sure it was, it was something. Um, but the, the big point of his speech uh, was saying that they're standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial. And he's like, you know, five score years ago, homie signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And it was wonderful. And millions of slaves... Uh, uh, ended their capti- captivity, but like a hundred years later, we're still not free. Uh, you know, a hundred years later, he says, uh, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the change and the chains of discrimination. 
the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. And it he goes on and on. And like the thing about what we do here at PA Stands Up, it's like what we talk about is is known as the race class narrative. Like it's it's uniting, like uh it's uniting everyone. Yes, this is still happening to people, whether you're black, brown, white, you know, it doesn't matter what zip code you live in, this is still happening to you. Uh and uh and that's kind of what we fight for. Um and it's it's worth a read. It's worth a read. I'll I'll drop a link in the show notes. But it's yeah. uh but uh I don't know. Uh I, I still think that there's there's a lot of us living on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. I might get that tattooed on me. Absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, I really agree. Oh boy. Anyway, uh well uh the I was going to have uh, the news part that I was going to talk about today was about the uh, escaped killer um, that was running around Chester County. But uh, I actually don't have any updates because that seems to be updating live. And I don't want to give I don't want to I don't want to give away the plot um, now that all of the. Um, we are podcasters sitting comfortably in our homes in Pennsylvania, but there are plenty of uh, true crime podcasters that are out there uh, bungling efforts to get Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know what? But uh, maybe, maybe this will help us like, you know, finally end, end solitary confinement. Um, you know, if anything, just so that uh, we can know, we can know what's happening in the prison. Maybe this will, maybe this will prompt a new era of transparency at the Chester County prison. Nah, I'm kidding. That's definitely not going to happen. Definitely not, but it's good to wish. <sighs> yeah. Uh, everybody in Chester County, make sure you double lock your doors. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so Put much your gun for in the gun cabinet. Oh my God. And please lock up your guns. Does that need to be said? This still needs to be said. Yes. Uh, there's does. no, yeah. There's no such thing as common knowledge. Lock those things up. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting about the news with me. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> since Pele is gone, he's not on vacation. He is at a bunch of trainings and, and meetings and things across the state. So he will certainly listen to us talking about him on the podcast. Um, but I am really excited that we were able to have Nick on the show. Um uh, we were also going to have uh, Melanie Yoder Salim on the show, uh, who's one of our Lancaster Stands Up leaders, um, and she is in the hospital. So we are we are going to wish her the the very best. Uh, mm -hmm. But Nick is here with us. He's one of the founding members of Lancaster Stands Up, and is now on our staff at PASU as the training and statewide campaigns director. Nick, I'm I'm really glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. Well, tell the listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into activism. Sure thing. Um, my name's Nick Martin. I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, Lancaster is about an hour and a half west of Philly. We're in south central Pennsylvania. Um, and kind of started talking about it a little bit earlier as we were talking about um, September 11th in the news, but what really got me into organizing was militarism. I grew up in a progressive Mennonite family, and I grew up going to a Mennonite church that actually um, 
live pretty close to here in Lancaster City now. Um, and growing up, my family and my church taught me some pretty important values about loving your neighbor, uh, treating people how you want to be treated, um, and also about kind of questioning um, the role of the military um, and questioning uh, the, the sense of will uh, the idea that um, an eye for an eye really is the way that the world should work. Um, mm. And and so when uh, the war in Iraq began, uh, my uh, church and my family uh, was in strong opposition to it, uh, and I, I grew up in this pretty um, conservative right wing. Public high school, where most people around me supported the war very openly, Um, and I I did not support it. My family didn't support it. Um, Just kind of being in that um, felt kind of like a pressure cooker. Being in that situation was very, very politicizing, Um, and I felt pretty alienated and isolated from um, kids around me at school. Um, And my church became kind of my safe haven, um, actually, the the place where I went to where I could kind of commiserate and talk to other kids that were living in Lancaster County um, that had the same views as me. And so we started, um, we actually started uh, going to like protests against the war. Um, We started uh, going to vigils and and started talking to other kids at our schools and we decided we were going to do counter-military recruitment in all of the schools. So we started tabling um, to try to give kids alternatives to signing up with the military recruiters who always had a big presence at our schools. And, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, doing doing a lot of just anti-militaristic work and I kind of caught the organizing bug there. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I... If if only we, uh, as organizers, as community organizers, could go into school and recruit <laughs> recruit right. people uh, as yeah. easily as military organizers can. Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, I do know that uh, you know a big reason why uh, Pennsylvania Stands Up exists is because of another day after um, after mm-hmm. uh, November eighth. Uh, in 2016. Um, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about what happened in Lancaster after the 2016 presidential election? Yeah, absolutely. So after after Trump was elected, um, I think like everyone, um, I felt um, incredibly distraught and at first kind of at a loss for what to do. And um, some some friends of mine and I, who are all um, experienced organizers, felt like um, we we were kind of were like this is a once in a lifetime moment where everyone we know is absolutely uh, many people we know are absolutely horrified and, and really scared for our future and the future of um, our, our friends and family that might even be more impacted than us from uh, Trump's presidency, and so. We decided to call for an emergency community meeting um, at um, at a local kind of public center in Lancaster, um, and the idea was just to provide a space for people to talk about um, why we won, and, and for us to use our experience as organizers to try to actually provide 
provide some context and analysis for people so that they could understand what was happening in the political moment. Um, because our fear was that people were going to uh, react to his victory in a way that actually did not help us um, be able to like um, learn from the states that led to his victory. And so, was that was that your fear in particular? Like you were thinking that people would uh, uh, riot? Like what 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 kind of what kind of things were you kind of thinking were going to happen? Yeah, even less than not really actually rioting, but more like people were, were going to like go all like blue wings. Like people were going to say like. Um, take the, the establishment Democrat line of like, we have to write off anyone that voted for Trump and uh, anyone that voted for Trump is a deplorable. And, and, you know, right after he won, people were posting things on Facebook, like um, you should unfriend anyone, you know, that voted for Trump on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you should stop yeah. talking to those people. And we, we, we really wanted to explain, um, you know, there are conditions that led to his victory and they include the establishment Democrat, establishment Democrats writing off the working class and, and taking people of color for granted. Um, so um, that was that was really um, one of the main reasons why we felt like we needed to act right away and um, get, get in front of some people. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know that um, Eliza, who's uh a regional organizing manager that, uh, you know, was an organizer at Lancaster Stands Up. She said that she saw a flyer on the street um, and, and showed up and you were one of the the first people that she saw there. Um, yeah. And it was, what was it, 300 people showed up that night? I think it, yeah, I think the first one was 300 people. And then we started to hold them monthly um, and it grew. The second one was maybe first one was maybe 250 the second was maybe 300 and uh january of 2017 i think we had like 400 people um in a room together Um, oh my gosh that's yeah that's awesome and and just like talking to each other and and listening and and taking figuring out next steps because you can't take the next step until you you kind of figure them out together yeah yeah and um we we almost it was almost like it was almost like a church setting um, mm. in that we would we would have a few kind of keynote speakers that would really um, like we would kind of lay out our political analysis we would have like an inspiring speaker from um, like a church leader from a local uh, like immigrant or refugee population um, from local progressive groups and then we would spend time breaking people into groups and asking people to commit to doing the work um, that we need to do to take our community back and to protect people in our community and to um, start organizing. And so about half of it was kind of like feel good, inspiring, all hope is not lost. And the other half was like, people need to sign up and, and get involved um, and start doing work. The the original Zoom breakout rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the OG before COVID breakout room. Oh my gosh. And 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 it worked. You know, Lancaster is is our largest chapter and is is still continuing to grow and do things and and that's that's amazing. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Um yep. 
So, uh, so now in your role, in your uh, very official title as training and statewide campaigns director, um, you are part of the listening team. So what is the, uh, and the listening team, y'all got a title and it's called Listen Up with an exclamation mm-hmm. point. Uh, it does, it Big does a little bit point. of, yes. So kind of like Jeb uh, or Oliver. <laughs> yes. Um. You know, it's a good exclamation point. I think it's good. I think good. it's helpful because listen up campaign is a little boring unless you get the exclamation point in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my girlfriend will tell me that I think that listening is boring as well. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what? Uh, so talk talk about it. What's what's the listen up campaign? Yeah. So the the idea is that uh, we. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked on a lot of electoral campaigns over the years, and I get this feeling at the end of every electoral campaign that I've worked on, like, man, we just built all of this amazing um, infrastructure, and now the campaign's over. And like, how are we going to keep those volunteers uh, involved? And so as we're heading into the 2024 presidential election cycle, that is not something that we want to keep doing that churn and burn. And so the idea is that alongside that important work we're going to do in 2024 to elect our endorsed candidates, we also need to be running like long-term base building work around the issues that matter to people in our communities. And in order to do that base building work, first we have to get out there and just talk to community members about what issues they're facing on a daily basis in their lives. And uh, for, for each community that lives, you know, that each chapter of Pennsylvania Stands Up is based in, you have to get out and talk to people and figure out what are people facing. And it, if we were to organize a, a long-term base building campaign in their area, what's the, what is something we could pick that really would uh, keep people involved, uh, not just be a like, one-year election cycle. So um, we are going out and asking people that question. Um, and specifically, we're, we're focused on three key issues right now, labor, climate, and housing, which are obviously huge issues. And you could focus on any number of things within those. But so we want to get out and ask people like, um, uh, are you a renter? How's your landlord? Are you facing any housing insecurity? Do you know other people that are facing housing insecurity? If we were to like run a campaign around housing in your area, what would it take for you to participate? Those kinds of questions so that we can lay the groundwork for that long-term base building work that we want to do in 2024 and beyond. That's awesome. And I'm I'm very excited about it because as someone who has uh, knocked doors for the Democrats, I know that... Um, you know, when, when we go knocking on doors and people are like, Oh, all right, who do you want me to vote for? And this is, this is different. This is, this is listening. Um, you've said, you've talked about base building a few times for, for Mm -hmm. the uninitiated. What, what is base building? Uh, I know it's a big part of what we do here at PA stands up. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Great question. I mean, I think, um, you know, what is a membership based organization if we're just doing rapid response and just like an issue happens, we like do a rally or we jump around and we work on this thing and we work on this thing. Like, What are we actually trying to accomplish? And so um, base building is kind of the answer to that, in, in my opinion. It's like, 
we're not going to win the big issues that um, the the big things that we really believe that we should be win, uh, winning and that the policies we need to pass, that's not going to happen unless we invest in building relationships and um, organizing people into structures that allow them to participate in the long term. Because most people, um, most people out there have a couple hours that they could give to an organization um, every week. But um, they're not just going to like show up to a, a rally. Um, and so we have to find issues that uh, that matter to people. We have to meet people where they're at. And we have to build a structure that allows people to participate. And um, and everyone is going through something. Um, and so our job is to organize a campaign that um, that is going to um, involve a lot of people and that can that can. Uh, be winnable and that can involve a lot of people. Um, so, so base the act of base building is doing that is is involving thousands of people in the day to day important work of organizing and uh, and and not just um, not just turning out for a candidate or not just coming out to a rally. Yeah, I've been to several rallies where I feel like I just kind of went out, held a sign, yelled a lot, and then I just went back home. Um, and mm -hmm. that's, that's, that it feels good in the moment. Um, you know, in the and same way, that, like, sometimes, yeah. but yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I just, I know that especially with the work we're doing, like at least, at least give people a next step, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's really what we're doing. Um, and, you know, I do love a, I do love a rally. I do love holding a sign and getting honked at. Um, now, at a rally, I always say that anyone who honks is with us. Uh, even the people who are honking and they yell, get a job. We're like, no, no, no. You, you, put, <laughs> you put your hand on the horn. That means support. <laughs> yeah. Got to count on that. Oh, my gosh. But. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But with the listening work that we're doing, you know, we're, we're in the communities. We're not just, you know, waiting for them, like you said, to come to a rally We're we're going to where they are. Um, and it, would you say that this is like a, a deep listening, uh, in, in the communities? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's a little different than like a deep canvas, but we, our aim is to hold long form conversations with people. We're not just like knocking on the door and saying, Hey, what are your top three issues? And then going on to the next door. Like, I think half of the point of this listen up campaign is actually about building relationships with people that we think might actually want to be involved in the future. So we want to have intentional conversations, long form conversations, uh, hear what people are going through. And, um, it's kind of like part, part of the work is to do some real research into hearing about what people are facing on a daily basis and um, and and to start building relationships of um, people that might want to be involved in organizing in the future. Yeah, um, I know that, you know, having, especially after uh, COVID, it, it can be a little scary to like have someone knocking on your door, but this is, this is the best way to, to contact people. Um, do you have any like, uh, uh, stories, uh, funny, scary, uh, uplifting or otherwise, uh, from, uh, your time putting knuckles to doors? Yeah. Lots of stories. Um, 
I mean, I think, um, I think like the typical canvassers experience is actually pretty like mundane. Like you're going out and you're having conversations with people and like people for the most part are much more willing to talk to you than you think that they would be. Um, mm-hmm. But every now and then you have a conversation where you're like, well, that changed me and like really mattered to them. Um, and so one in particular that comes to mind is um, when I was uh, an organizing director for the Jess King campaign, it was a con- congressional campaign here in Lancaster. Um, we had someone write to us on election day. Um, and she said that a canvasser had come to her door. Uh, I think she lived in Southern York County. Um, and she said, no one ever comes to our part, um, our part of the county. People always think of us as the trashy people. Um, and no one cares about us. But one of your canvassers came to my door today um, and they cared about me and they asked what issues I cared about. Um, and so I said, you know what? I'm going to vote for her. And I got in line and said, this morning, voted for this um, And I think I always, yeah, that, that story still like gives me chills just to think about it because it shows the power of like non-transactional organizing of like going out and legitimately caring what someone has to say when you are talking to them and people can like feel the difference between uh, a canvasser who doesn't care about you and a canvasser that like is there because they they want to know um how you're doing um and um yeah so i think that that is the, kind of the intention of, of this just to get out there or pacing because people are going through a lot people have been through a a lot (laughs) and no one is like no one is out there listening to people and i think it's very isolating so the the act of canvassing is it is quite powerful for people to have someone to talk to you know that's that's at pa stands up we really do talk to people that nobody else wants to talk to and uh you know like you were saying earlier like a lot of the problems that led to trump being elected were uh put into place by like the establishment democrats and the communities that they overlooked and so uh he was really able to uh, trump was really able to take that like um exclusionary populism which is like yes you all have problems and you know your neighbor is the problem and uh china is the problem and mexico is the problem um whereas we are uh we are part of uh, a group uh uh you're a bernie bro yourself uh where where we do inclusionary populism which is yes we're all suffering but your neighbor is not the problem some other country is not the problem it's the uh as as the bard said the millionaires and the billionaires uh and you know we shouldn't be punching each other we should we should really be punching up um and yeah that that really resonates with people um oh my god that's such a good story it it gave me chills too um so so can you let us know how can folks join the team or or join these canvases? Great question. Uh, you should go to the PA Stands Up Mobilize page, which I think you can get to just by going to pastandsup.org. Is that right, Ash? Uh, you can do that, and it's going to be in the show notes. Okay, sweet. Um, and each chapter, uh, NEPA, Berks, Lehigh Valley, and Lancaster, is 
hosting its own Listen Up campaign canvas. Um, the first one is uh, September 17th, um, and there's more happening throughout this month, September. And then we'll be scheduling a bunch more that are going to happen in October. Um, so yeah, you should you should sign up uh, and get get involved. Um, and I'm sure we'll be sending out texts and emails and things about them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think that the big thing, like it, it is scary to kind of go and, and knock on a stranger's door. You don't know anything about them. Uh, they don't know anything about you. Like literally anyone could open that door. Um, but uh, how does, so when someone shows up, what's something that they can expect? Like right when they mm -hmm. get to, uh, to our launch? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, we definitely will be training everyone that is going to canvas. Uh, if you've never done it before, you're going to get trained by one of our organizers. Um, and if you're like really nervous about it, we can pair you up with a buddy. Um, and you don't need to know anything about policy. Like this isn't, a, we're not trying to persuade people stuff. I think that's a fear I hear a lot is, oh, I don't know enough <laughs> about the issues to go and talk to people. And that's not what we're about. We're not, we're not out there to talk people's ear off about policy. We're, we're going to go out and we're going to listen to what people's everyday challenges are in their lives. And pretty much if you're, if you're down to listen to someone for five minutes or 10 minutes, then you're going to be great uh, at doing this. Um, and uh, if you have a smartphone, we ask you to bring your phone charged up because uh, you're going to use that for your canvassing. Um, and, uh, bring that in some weather appropriate clothing and you're going to be good to go. Awesome. Uh, weather appropriate clothing, uh, when the weather is not appropriate, like is, is a, is a big ask, but you know, as long as you're wearing <laughs> shoes, shoes that are comfortable to walk in I, as someone who was paid, uh, by daddy Steyer to knock doors for Hillary. Um, I, I wore, uh, galoshes a lot and they are great for keeping your feet dry. They are bad for like the actual arches of your feet. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it sounds uncomfortable. Mm, yes, it was. So I had very dry, very sore feet. So, uh, you know, uh, weather appropriate gear bring, you know, if you got to bring like, a. sometimes we have ponchos. I know for a fact that we're going to have snacks. Like we have to tell people that they're going to be snacks, Nick. Come on. <laughs> snacks water we're also gonna um celebrate you and thank you in a non-cultish way um so look forward to that awesome awesome i love uh as as somebody who experiences a lot of uh faith trauma uh i love <laughs> being celebrated in a non-cultish way but we do know that if uh our uh, program director Pele was here. Um, he is uh, very into like Mark. He really he really wants to kind of go the. I don't know if it's like Girl Scout or he wants people to have like badges or sashes that are different colors to be like, oh, I've been to this many <laughs> canvases, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Asking people to wear sashes and shawls seems a little seems a I'm little mixed. Amar, like I'm kind of into it. I I think. Um... I think people, uh, um, once, once you have a higher level of commitment to your organizing work, it like, it does start to feel like exciting to try to level up. Like if you think about it as like 
a video game or something like you do always want to get better um so like if you get a certificate after a training or you've like mm-hmm. knocked on a thousand doors like i really do believe in like noticing people's accomplishments and giving them kind of some proof that they've done that work but um whether that is a sash and a badge or something <laughs> a little more like 2023 <laughs> um i i think we we could figure something cool out all right uh well you know uh if if anyone has any uh if anyone would like to uh write in <laughs> to the podcast and let us know how can we recognize someone yes uh, uh, please without, send us your ideas gaining yes without gaining some kind of cult status um then we would love to hear <laughs> we would love to hear how we can do that um yeah. well nick i i very much appreciate you uh joining me on the podcast today um and uh, I'm excited to have more people join the listening team. I'm excited to, um, uh, and if you if you join the listening team, you will also get to meet Nick in person. So Nick, if you've got any yes. stalkers out there, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, come out and meet me. <laughs> All right. If that's a draw awesome. for anyone out there for some reason, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, If you enjoy our show, News You Can Use, please follow us and share with your friends, share with your enemies, and come back in a couple of weeks. We are going to talk to some of the uh, candidates in NEPA for the county council positions and a little bit more about why they're running. These are first-time candidates, and we love to hear from first-time candidates. And until then, this is your temporary host, Dr. Ashley Strange. And don't forget, Pennsylvania is for all of us.